What's good, everybody? This is the one and only Nick Andre. And guess what? This Friday is going down on Playback TV. I will be covering the Miami Heat against the New York Knicks, which is an in-season tournament game. Miami Heat is currently undefeated at 2-0, and New York is standing at 1-1 in the tournament. Who will have the edge? For Miami, Bam and Abiles is looking like an MVP caliber player to me. Then on top of that, on the New York side, RJ Barrett's having the most approved caliber season. Julius Randle stepping up. Then on top of that, you still have Jalen Brunson playing at a high level. So this should be a really, really fun matchup. Also remember, these two teams played in the playoffs so this past year or so. This is a little bit of a rivalry game, so who knows? And on top of that, we're going to get a really good atmosphere considering that it's a playing tournament. So make sure to tune in with me, man. We're going to have a lot of fun. I will leave the link in the, in the description. This is another edition of For the Love of the Game, and this is your one and only Nick Andre. I'm glad to have you guys tuned in with me, and we're going to change this up a little bit. I'm starting a new segment. I'm going to introduce a new segment, which is titled Around the World, which is where I will talk about certain topics covering all basketball from NBA, WNBA, college, etc. So, you know, because I know, you know, there's certain episodes where I do have that, you know, we may touch on maybe just one team or just one league, so... You know, it's going to be something short and sweet, but, you know, I think it'll be something that the people will enjoy. So my first topic that I want to talk about, I want to go into women's college basketball and I want to talk about the number one team, which is the South Carolina Gamecocks. I think a lot of people owe Miss Don Staley an apology. And this reinvention of the Gamecocks has just really been incredible. I know I know we're still early in the season and I know that. You know, there's still a lot more games to go, but what they've shown us throughout these first four games is just incredible, especially after losing key players like Aaliyah Boston, Zaya Cook, Bree Bill, Tisha Amir. You know, the list goes on and on. The fact that, like, that, and I feel like that's what, make, that's what makes Dawn so incredible is that she's able to come back because obviously after what took place last year when they lost to Iowa in the in the Final Four, you know, I think a lot of people were questioning Don Staley and whether the game costs were going to continue to be one of the top teams in the country. And they've pretty much shown that, you know, and it all started from Paris. You know, they defeated Notre Dame. They blew them out. The thing, and that's the thing, too, because they scored over 100 points in, what, three of the four games, which is just, in, like, incredible to me. And I'll say in about two of the games, they scored about at least over 110 points, so their offense is really clicking on all cylinders and you have to give credit to, you know, everything that they run, you know, there's, they have great players who can play off the ball. They have great ball handlers who can attack. They run a lot of high, low action. And probably one of the biggest highlights to me for South Carolina, at least player wise has to be Raven Johnson. And for those who know, I wrote a piece on her for fan side and make sure to check that out. But, you know, you can tell Raven Johnson is just more motivated than ever. You know, especially after what took place last year, she even talked about it in the in the, in the press conference. I don't remember. I, I don't remember which game it was, but she was talking. She basically said, you know, everybody counted them out after what took place in the Iowa game, and she really used that as fuel. And for now, for her to take on this leading role, being their being their primary playmaker, being able to set others up for success is just incredible. I mean, that seventeen assist game that she had against Clemson was just flat out remarkable. And it really shows, you know, how she's able to 
continue to get others involved and just, you know, and just continue to allow others to, to succeed. You know, I think probably one of my favorite plays with her is her just running that that high, low action with Camila Cardoso, you know, feed her the ball and just be able to get her good looks inside. So, you know, everything is working on all cylinders for South Carolina and they're sitting number one at the AP poll, which, you know, I, I mean, it has, it has to be unanimous. And I mean, it's no knock to any other team because I know a lot of other teams are doing the thing out there, but it's, it's, it's no debate that South Carolina is the best team in women's basketball right now. They're only giving up 56 points a game this season, which is just incredible. I, I didn't even mention their defense. You know, the defense is just solid as well. And they're really wreaking havoc. And it's crazy because I was having a conversation with somebody. We were actually watching the South Carolina Notre Dame game. And Notre Dame came out since Notre Dame came out swinging. I want to say they had like a three, four point lead at the end of the first. And I'll be real, Hannah Hidalgo, which is one of my personal favorites to watch so far this season. She was cooking. I want to say she had like 12, 13 in the first quarter, something like that. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be real. He's kind of a Gamecock hater in a way. He's like, yo, man, you got to look out. And I was like, bro, we're only 10 minutes into the game, bro. Relax. And then look what happened. They ended up blowing them out. They scored like 113, 115 points, something like that. I don't have the exact stats in front of me. But I'll be honest, man. You know, there, there's no team better than South Carolina right now. Um, Don Staley, in my opinion, is the best coach in college basketball. And that's not a knock to any other, any other legendary coach that's been doing this for so long. But you know, to see how, like I said before, to see how she's been able to reinvent this team and allow them to be the best team in the country, you know, you can't have anything better than that. So that's just my thing. South Carolina is the best team in women's basketball, and I don't even think it's close. Another topic I want to discuss, I want to talk about UConn, not on the women's side, but on the men's side. Um, they're the rating national champions, um, and they came out swinging. You know, they're 5-0 and right now on the season. Uh, probably one of the bigger highlights to me, you know, I love, I'm a, I'm a big Tristan Newton fan. Um, and I, I love his game and it's crazy too, because I don't really do a lot of comps. Like, you know, if you, if you know me from when I first started writing and everything in 2018, I used to do a lot of player comps. I try not to do it as much anymore just because I like to, I like to just allow players to just be themselves. But when I see Tristan Newton, I don't know why, like, I, so I was watching UConn of Texas on Sunday and for some reason, when I was watching Tristan Newton, he reminded me a little bit of like a bigger Sharif Cooper. I know that may sound crazy to a lot of people. I'm not saying that they're ideal, but the thing about Sharif, and for people who know me, Sharif is one of my personal favorites to watch, but Sharif is just super calm. He's super poised. He can dictate the game at his at his own pace. And I think Tristan is just that good at doing that as well. You know, he can score at all three levels. He's really good at finding openings to get to the basket and, and also drawing fouls. He's a great mid-range scorer. We saw a lot of the mid-range game, you know, especially throughout the season. And, you know, coming into the season, you know, obviously there's no Adonis Sinogo and there's no Jordan Hawkins. You know, they're both – they both moved on. You know, Jordan Hawkins is playing for the Pelicans in the NBA. I'm not sure where Sinogo is at right now. I can't remember. I got to go back and check that. But, you know, Tristan Newton has – he's been incredible, you know what I'm saying, like being the number one option and it's shown. Um, another highlight to me that I've loved for UConn is – Mr. Camp Shear, or excuse me, Camp, Camp Spencer. I don't know where I got Shear from. Camp Spencer. And he, he's he been really, really incredible. I didn't know much about him before he came to UConn. So as I was watching the past two games when they played against Indiana and played against Texas, you know, he's really shown a lot of versatility. You know, at first I thought that he was just going to be like kind of like a spot-up shooter, but he shows, you know, he can put the ball on the floor. He can create plays for others. Obviously, he's a sniper on the floor. So I love – 
I love what I've seen from him. And honestly, probably after I record this, I need to go back and look and look at his highlights even before whenever he played at Rutgers because he, he is the real deal. And I think that as the season continues, they, like he's going to play a crucial role for this UConn team. And the question is, you know, can they possibly repeat as champions? I don't know. You know, I mean, I think that's kind of up in the air because, you know, there's a lot of great teams in college basketball right now. Are they better than teams like Duke? Are they better than teams like Kansas? You know, are they better than teams like Marquette? You know, who knows? But, you know, there's no doubt. There's no debate that UConn's going to be in that conversation. You know? And they started out well. They, they won their first five games of the season. And I think their success will only continue moving forward. And the last topic that I want to talk about is, I want to go into the G League, man, because I want to talk about my guy, G.G. Jackson, who's currently playing for Memphis Hustle, which is an affiliate of the Memphis Grizzlies of the NBA. And, you know, there's been a lot of there was a lot of mixed reviews about G.G., you know, going into the 2023 NBA draft. Um, You know, I know that, you know, when he played for South Carolina, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well. I know I know that their style of offense was relatively different from a lot of college programs. And we saw a lot of Gigi just, you know, playing an ISO ball, you know, just, you know, jacking up a lot of shots. I know, I know that his shooting percentage was low because I want to say he shot around like 38, 39% in college. But the one thing that stands out to me about Gigi is that he's he's confident. You know what I'm saying? He's confident. He's not afraid to take shots. You know, he's not afraid to take matters into his own. So that's something that really stands out for me when it comes to Gigi Jackson. Now, are there a lot of ill-advised shots? Yes. You know, there are there were there was a lot of times even in college. And of course, you know, I've been able to watch a few of his G League games where, you know, I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, okay, you probably could have made a pass here. You probably could have attacked the basket here, or you know, you didn't have to just settle for the shot. So obviously that's something that Gigi has to work on, but also I think it takes the right situation as well. And I'm really hoping that Gigi can find himself in the right situation, whether that's in the G League or whether that's in the NBA, where he where he's surrounded with a team or with the coaching staff that will allow him to understand, you know, how to make the right place, how to make the right reads. But besides that, you know, if you, for those who may watch the G League, you know, he has been balling. I don't have the, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but he has been incredible so far. And I, I really do hope that the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies can possibly give him, give him a chance. I know that they're dealing with their situation where, you know, they're struggling. I think they lost like the first like six games of the year. They're starting to kind of slowly pick things back up, but they're still not where they want to be at. So, you know, if he gets that call, to play for the Grizzlies, whether it's, you know, just for a few games or so. I don't know exactly how he'll play, but I know for a fact that he's going to, he's going to have the utmost confidence and he's, and he's going to try to do whatever he can do. So I'm excited for Gigi. You know, I think that he could possibly have a really good career and I'm all, I'm always going to be rooting for him. You know, I want to see, you know, where his journey could possibly take him next. So that, that was my segment around the world. I will be doing more of these. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to just release these individually and just add them with episodes but i think that this is going to be something dope that the people are definitely going to want to hear but without further ado i had to bring in one of my brothers for this episode we're talking a little bit of nba on this wonderful thanksgiving day and here you guys go man me and my guy mo murphy talking hoops yes sir yes sir so this one should be a good one man you know i got my guy with me you know sometimes we agree on things sometimes we disagree on a lot of things well I don't, know, I don't know if we disagree on a lot of basketball, but we could definitely disagree on things like outside of basketball. But, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But for those who don't know, I got the VP of Off the Ball Network. I got the host of Up in Flames. I got my guy, Murphy, bro. What's going on with you, bro? Man, what's good, bro? Hey, you know what's crazy? This is the first time I've been on your show. 
That's true. Yeah, I was I was on your show like what like last. Yeah, it, was, it was a minute year? ago. Yeah, like yeah, last it was, or two years ago, something like that. I remember. And that. I really did. I ain't gonna lie. I, I had put it out, and I contemplated putting it out because I really feel like I didn't show up and do the do justice. Bro, I, I was drunk as hell during the show. And like, <laughs> and I was like, damn, dog, like this ain't bad, but I kind of ruined it because I'm like, bro, I'm like low key lit and Nick spitting and I'm just like scrounging you know for words. I, I couldn't even, I couldn't tell. I couldn't even tell. That's crazy. Bro, bro when you got to cooking, I was like, I was, <laughs> and that was a daytime show. That's what it made, was. Daytime. That's it was true. like it was Saturday at like two o'clock in the afternoon, bro. And I was, I low. remember that, yeah. Loaded. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you was getting drunk early though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was loaded by two o'clock, bro. Yeah, damn, it's crazy too. Hey, I could have been high then too. Actually, I probably wasn't, but you yeah. probably was. But still, it was just a difference of like hitting blunt. I feel that. And eleven yeah, o'clock, I, I supposed that. to be loaded at two o'clock in the afternoon. Like that's crazy. So you was, <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. Now I think about it, yeah, it was like one, two o'clock in the afternoon. I bro, it that. was early. It was early, bro. Coffee, yeah, early. <laughs> Oh man, that's funny, man. But now nah, I appreciate you for coming off the show, man. You know, I've been, I it's it's crazy because like I be having like a list of people, and it's like I try to get everybody on as like you know like as quick as possible. So I was like, damn, I need I need to find a way to get more on. And I'm I'm definitely glad I was able to make it happen for sure. Yeah, bro. Just my work schedule been like I don't really get home till about like seven o'clock my time, and I that I'm out like yeah. so like on my days off is when like I could really cook, but. Other than that, I'd be like, by the time I get home, usually it'd be too late for everybody else because I'm an hour behind everybody that's on the East Coast time. And then if you on, if somebody on the West Coast, like I'm a little too far ahead. So now I got to wait till eight, nine o'clock my time, put the kids to bed. But I still got three or four available days anyway. So I still got time. So that's funny. You basically sound like me because I mean, I leave my house at like 730 in the morning. I don't get back to like because I mean, I go to work, I go to the gym and then after that, I'll get home. So a lot of my podcasting and writing and stuff that comes like late at night like i'm talking about like one two in the morning sometimes like that's really when i'll be cooking you be up cooking at one two in the morning and you yeah. wake up to go to work at 7 30. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah i'd be up at that time but like i don't go to work till 11. so like i don't go to work till 11 in the morning so it's different for me like i get home late but i stay up late because i don't go into work till late so but like when i was going to work at seven in the morning and having to leave my house at six to make it on time man nine o'clock bro Stop playing with me. I'm in bed at nine o'clock. Well, it's, I mean, it's weird because, like, sometimes, so, like, my, my schedule is weird. So, I'll come home, I'll eat dinner, then I might go to sleep for like an hour, then I'll wake up. I'll be like, oh, shit, all right, I got to finish this article. Oh, shit, I got to edit this podcast, something like that. So, I mean, I'm not like up like the whole time. I might, I might get a little like power nap in for like here and there, but I don't take know. It's crazy. I can't take a nap. You can't take a nap? Ooh. <laughs> That's wild, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't take naps, bro. Like I'm, I, I don't take a lot of them. Like as like, I don't take a lot of them. But like when I do, like it's pretty, well, I used I mean, to nap like crazy. Now, like I can't. Like it, it don't matter how tired I am at three o'clock in the afternoon, bro. I cannot go to sleep. That's wild. That's crazy. <laughs> and and it, I mean, it's weird too because like my naps. I don't think I. I don't think I could take a nap no more than like an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Man, I used so to people, be able to take three hour naps. That's what and, yeah, like people, people, people be talking about they taking three, four, five, six hour naps. I'm like. I can't even do that. Yeah, I'm an adult now. Like, I could do that when I was, like, not an adult and no responsibilities. Right. Just like, yeah, I'm going to crash out for three hours, get then get my night started. 
yeah, I'm an adult now. I got responsibilities. I ain't got time, bro. Four hour nap is crazy. Like you're wasting that's a lot crazy. of time yeah, taking that. That is a lot of time. Unless <laughs> unless you just had your whole schedule cleared for that. Yeah, you good then. But like like if you do that on a Saturday and you ain't got much to do, you knock your stuff out in the morning. That's exactly. cool. But like just being for four hours on a Saturday, like you just wasted a Saturday. Even if it's like that's your day off and you love your Saturday, like you still just wasted a Saturday. <laughs> no, that's I'm more of a I don't want to waste time. No, I get that. I definitely get that, man. But yo, let's talk some hoops, bro. Let's yeah. Talk some, I mean, we. I mean, I'll be real. We was already talking NBA for about like ten minutes before yeah. we actually recorded. That's let's how it always goes. Exactly, man. So let's go in. Let, let, let's go into the first, the first topic, which is the in season tournament. So, my first question is, when the okay? So let's date back to the summer when the in season tournament was announced. Like, what were your thoughts about it? Were you someone that was buying in on it, or were you somebody that was like still kind of? A like that was kind of confused about it or were you just somebody that was like i don't like this idea at all i didn't really care like it was more like bro i just all right it sound cool but i want to see it and like so it was one of those like i'm not gonna judge it one way or the other like because like bro soccer does it you know what i'm saying like i know baseball doesn't do it but like bro a lot of these like soccer does it like you know what i'm saying and you have all these champions and this and that so it sounds crazy for everybody but at the same time it's like Bro, we're not like the NBA is not the first sport to do it. Kind of the first time in America, like essentially, because the NFL doesn't do it. College basketball, like, nope. College basketball is the I was saying, college, college got like they got like the Maui invitation or they got like the sunshine. Invitation and it's just like, like high that. school basketball. Like, you right. know, you, you got the Thanksgiving tournaments and the Christmas mm-hmm. tournaments on top of the regular season and all that. Right. So if anybody had played like. Like, I looked at it like, oh, this is like a mini AAU tournament, basically. Well, I won't say a mini AAU tournament. This is like a major AAU tournament at its highest of heights in the professional level. Um, but I didn't know how it was going to go until that. Like, I caught on on Tuesday and Friday as the end season. At first, I didn't understand what was going on. Like, the first – well, it kicked off on a Friday, right? Yeah, it kicked off yeah. – was it the first Friday of the season? It might it have was, been the first Friday. It was like the first second or Friday. second Friday. I think yeah. it was the following week. It was like two weeks in. So when they played on Friday, I was thinking every game from then on out for like the next two to three weeks was the end season tournament. I didn't know it was only the games that are played on Tuesday, Fridays or in season tournaments. Because when I seen they play Friday and then Saturday, it didn't say nothing about in season tournament. I'm like, well, what the hell? And then I started catching on and I'm like, oh, okay, well, it makes sense. And if you really look at it, like and I know you probably about to get it to it, but like, bro, basketball has been in its best on Tuesdays and Fridays so far, like Tuesday on on what? And Friday on ESPN, like bro, them been the best games. Like they're you, they're taking the in tournament season serious. I don't think it's for like a people are gonna puff their chest out and want their credit for winning it, but you could tell like being the inaugural champ for something like this that might be for the foreseeable future for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Like to put your stamp on that, especially if it becomes something 10, 15, 20 years down the line that really matters, because they're gonna adjust it, they're gonna do stuff with it. Maybe the winner automatically gets a playoff spot, not the one seed or nothing, but right. maybe the winner automatically is in the playoff and doesn't have to play in the play-in or something like that. Like they might switch the incentives, but being the inaugural, anything matters. And you can tell, like these dudes are playing like it matters. Tuesdays and Fridays, bro, they playing real ball. Nobody really sitting unless they have to. Like unless they're hurt, they're not sitting. Right. And that's one thing. I must I must commend Adam Silver on that because, you know, like the NBA and everybody involved, they've been trying to find ideas to make the regular season more interesting. And I get it. You know, it's a long it's a long season. So, you know, a lot of especially, you know, nowadays, like a lot of guys are going to take nights off. Like, for instance, like, you know, you may play against the Washington Wizards on a 
like on a Monday night. Like, you know, a lot of guys are not going to want to get up for those type of games. But I definitely I definitely commend Adam Silver for finding ways to be creative and really finding ways to, you know, keep the league competitive as far as from a regular season standpoint. I'll be real, like when like whenever they first announced it, because people I don't know if people remember, but they had Richard Jefferson have it do it do a uh, do a video basically basically explaining it. And I watched that video like 10 times and I still didn't get it. Like I mean, I still did not get it at all. It was but confusing, dog. It really was. But you know, as I've been watching it, it's like you say, you know, you know, because I, I don't I don't think I really knew that either as far as having it only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Like I thought it was just gonna be like, all right, cool, it's gonna be from this date all the way to like, Yeah, for like two weeks or three weeks straight. Exactly. Like, it's so, just gonna be every night. Exactly. So once I got a once I got a better understanding of it, and on top of that, once I got a but once I got a better understanding of like the actual groups, like every like all the teams separated in groups. It started. It started to make more sense. So I'm gonna say, man, you know, it's like I definitely agree with you. It has been really, really competitive. I know a night that stands out was last Tuesday when all of the fights was breaking out. You had Draymond <laughs> putting uh, putting Rudy Gobert in a chokehold. Then um, Anthony Davis got into it with somebody. I think it was Dylan Brooks on the not not, not Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain on the Grizzlies. Yeah, they got into like it. That. Yeah, yeah. So it was like so. I'm gonna say, man, you know, I think. I think the in-season tournament has brought out a little bit of a competitive edge for these guys, and you love to see it, man. You know, and, and on top of that, I love it for like a lot of the younger teams, especially on the rise, because you know a lot of these teams, you know, they may not make the playoffs by the end of the year, but this could kind of give them like a a little experience of what it's like to play at that type of level. Like you know, like you look at the Indiana Pacers, like you know, I want to say they are still undefeated, you know, in the in the in-season tournament, especially, especially after beating Atlanta last night. And you look at other teams as well. So I love it more so for the younger teams who are on the rise and are trying to find themselves in the league because it does allow them to get that experience of what it's like to be able to play at the highest level. Yeah, I love the fact that we get to see who's uh competitive. Like, because sure. like very simply, bro, let's just say Braun, KD, Steph, Giannis, and Jokic was like, and Tatum, I throw Tatum in there. Was kind of like, bro, we don't care. Like, we're still sitting. There. Like, let's say they set the press. And, and that's the thing, like, that's the thing, like, you know, not to cut you off, but like, that was my concern too. Was like, how much are like the veterans, like Braun, like KD, like Steph, like, how much are they gonna care about this? Like, you know, because like I said, I mean, because my one of my concerns as well with it was like, I hated that they made it in early November, and a lot of teams and a lot of players, you know, they're still trying to get in shape, they're still trying to find the rhythm, especially if you bring in a lot of new guys. So if they were me, I would have probably pushed it to, I don't know, maybe January, something like, something like that. So you give teams like two months to really find the rhythm, rhythm, really find the chemistry. And then that'll be the best time to really start it. But Adam Silver had it right, though, because I'm going to tell you, what are, what are we doing right now on Tuesdays and Fridays? Like, I mean, we watch ball. So it, exactly. it's not, it's a regular Tuesday or Friday. For the casual. Bro, because think about it. You're competing with ratings right now with the NFL and college football. Like, like right now, that's why they stopped Thursdays for like the first like two, three months with TNT. Yeah, bro, because like you're you're literally sitting here and you're competing with the NFL, you're competing with college football, and like think about it. Like I'm a huge football guy too, as well, which is why I usually pick up basketball content after football season over. Right. But like college football rivalry week is this week. Like starting tomorrow, the Mm -hmm. rivalry games kick off. So like, how can I get people to watch? Like college football about to be played all day Friday. College football about to be played all day Saturday, but like, how can I get people to really buy into watching? Like, why watch the Heat Knicks on a Friday if it means nothing in November when there's all these rivalry games on being played? You're competing with like, for instance, tomorrow the Heat and Knicks play, 
Tomorrow night, Oregon State and Oregon play in college football. That's going to determine who goes and plays for their conference championship. How can I convince somebody that, hey, if you do love basketball, there's a re- the Heat Knicks is probably a good pitch, especially up to this point. You see everybody playing hard in the in-season tournament. Now you got a little bit tougher time or like I'm trying to catch both games. I'm going to flip back and forth as opposed to just be like, oh, the Heat Knicks on a Friday night in November for nothing means nothing. And if I watch it, cool. If I don't, I'm going to watch the game that means something. So now all these games, they essentially mean something because everybody treating them like they mean something. Everybody trying to win this tournament, bro, at the end of the day. And like it might, 500,000 ain't going to do nothing for KD. 500K ain't going to do nothing for LeBron or Steph or whatever. But that, that that cat at the end of the bench, you know what I'm saying? It's maybe only making two to three mil a year. What? At 500K, like, bro, that's like there's cats making two to three million dollars a year. You know what I'm saying? That 500K, bro, that's 25% of what they make in a year. Throw that on top. Like, like that's that's good money, bro, especially for cats at the end of the bench. But you can just tell, like, I don't even think it's about the 500,000, bro. I just think it's about. I the think bench. people just want to win. Like, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's competitive. That's really what it is. It might not mean nothing, but I'd rather win than lose. And everybody's treating it like that. Like, it, it's not going to enhance a LeBron or KD or Steph. Like, it ain't going to change their legacy by winning the in season tournament. Right. But just being a winner is just enough for them. They're bringing out the competitive edge, which I love to see. And you know what's so crazy? Like, I just I just thought about this. Like, I could I could see the haters. Like, let's let's say, for instance, that the Lakers want to win this in-season tournament. I could see the haters saying, like, oh, you know, Braun just won an in-season tournament, this and that, and that don't really matter. But if it was somebody else, you know, it would be praised for. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's going to have the same impact that the bubble championship mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking if about. anybody thing. else other than LeBron wins it, it's valid. It's a <laughs> case for whatever you want to make the case for for the, in, the be- two best individuals on that team. The Sacramento Kings win it. Oh, my God. We're going to be sitting here, and people are going to be talking about, hey, they could win the NBA Finals. Look what they did in the in-season tournament. And this right. and that. And people are already, especially if one of the teams that you're trying to buy in to take over the throne, that's not going to be Denver, that's not going to be a LeBron-led team, that's not going to be Phoenix. Like, the Minnesotas, the Oklahoma Cities, the, the uh, Sacramento Kings. Like, if one of those teams win it, like, you have a totally different conversation. Exactly. Giannis, if Giannis wins it with Dame and still trying to figure things out, it doesn't look all the way right. But if they're able, you know, Giannis is able to be great and win it. Like it, it's going to change the conversation, bro. Basically, anybody but LeBron is allowed to win it. And it's it's going to be it's going to be validated for anybody. Don't let the Clippers win it. Oh, my God. Like that's the one team I don't want to win the end season tournament, bro. We all know why. <laughs> I do not want the Clippers to win it. Listen. It, and it, it, it ain't even got nothing to do. Really? It ain't even got nothing to do with Kawhi. Because Kawhi ain't, bro, he, this year he's just been quiet. He's just been it playing really ball. I mean, for the most part, bro, I don't even think people could really spit me his numbers like that without looking it up. Like, what is Kawhi really doing? And I'm not saying he's not playing great. He's just quiet. You don't hear nothing right. from him. Nobody's really talking about the Clippers like that. If they are, it was the 0-5 start, James Harden, the Russell Westbrook. Getting, yeah. like, you don't hear nothing from Kawhi, and that's typical. Usually he puts his head down and plays ball, but like he's the one guy, him and Paul George, like them two, and then Harden actually winning anything that means anything. I don't want to see it. Nope. Because I don't want to hear about the Clippers winning the championship. We all know how this goes. We all know how this ends. Everybody going to be hurt and they ain't going to be healthy in the playoffs. So like I do not want that conversation to be started with the Clippers. I don't. That That's honestly a valid point though, because it it would it would look bad for them if they were to win this whole tournament, 
And then next thing you know, coming to the playoffs, Kawhi hurt, PG hurt, and Hard is going to have to carry the team. Like Hard is going to be done. The mileage exactly. on his body at that point going to be done. So, Russell Westbrook can't do it by himself. Like, exactly. really, and I hate to say this because I love Russell Westbrook. I, I really do. My guy. And, and I don't hate James Harden. I don't hate Paul George. We all know I just have this hateful relationship with Kawhi. But really, bro, outside of Kawhi, we're going to be praising a band of losers for winning this in-season tournament. Like, None of them have won anything. They won an MVP and all that. And like I said, I love Russell Westbrook. But his fans haven't been connected to his fans on Twitter. They're atrocious, dog. Like, like we talk about fans of teams and stuff. Bro, Russell Westbrook fans are, I'm going to be honest. Bro, they are crazy. And I hate to say this. I I fool with some people that are on the Russell Westbrook train. But I'm going to be honest, dog. Russell Westbrook fans are the weirdest fans. And I'm a fan of Russell Westbrook, but I'm not a, I won't say fans. Stands. Stands is the word. Russell Westbrook stands are weird, bro. Yeah. Like they're they're I, I'm gonna be honest, bro. They're they're a weird group of individuals. <laughs> I, can, I can definitely agree. It, it's some crazy. I just I just thought about so I put out a tweet. This is like two years ago. This is like when Westbrook like first got where like they Westbrook was was with the Lakers. They probably played for about two to three weeks. And I literally said, and I'll be real, I love Russell Westbrook. I've been a fan of Russell. Oh, I love Russ. Like I've been, a, I've been a fan since UCLA. Like that's how far I go back. And I made a tweet and I said, I don't think. I don't think a duel of Russ and LeBron on the floor together is going to work. You know what I'm saying? Because Westbrook's ineffectiveness to play off the ball. You know, he's not a, he's not as good of a shooter as he once was during his OKC days. I just don't see it. I just, I just don't see it happening. And then boy, they, the Westbrook fans, they found that tweet. They got on my ass. They thought I was hating on them. I'm like, I'm just making an honest observation. I never said Russ was a bad player. You know what I'm saying? In their notifications, bro. Russell Westbrook, that, that, that hits their tweet directly. So-and-so, Tweeted about Russell Westbrook, and then they'd be ready to kill you. And like I said, I'm with you. I love Russ. I'd love to see him get a championship. He's just in the wrong uniform now. Like, he well passed that. I would like to see him do it with the Rockets, the the Thunder. Where else was he? The Wizards. Like, like anywhere else. But I do, man, I don't want to see the Clippers. Man, I do not want to see the Clippers win the championship, bro. I don't. I don't want to see Kawhi win the championship. I'm going to be honest. I, I like Paul George, bro. He's exciting to watch. I don't want to see him win the championship. Like I, because they're a group of dudes that they're gonna think a lot higher of themselves. And then I'm gonna t- James Harden is one guy. I like James Harden, I really do. And it comes off because of the conversation. It comes off like I hate James Harden, but like I love James Harden. He's a good player. He wins a championship. Everybody gonna start trying to put him as the third greatest shooting guard of all time, and I ain't going for it. Oh God, nah, going for it. I'm not. I'm not having that. Not, I'm not over- going for it. He not, not over, over. Not over flash. Not, going not over flash. I'm but sorry. they're gonna do it, like because now everything he's done will be. You know, everything you do gets validated when you do win that championship. Like, imagine what Charles Barkley would be with a chip. Like, imagine what AI. Look at how we, he's a good legend. Him and Vic are the same two people. Imagine Vic winning a Super Bowl or Allen Iverson winning a championship. It changes the trajectory of how legendary they are, and we just we don't even have to speak of how legendary those guys are. So, like that championship validates everything you did in your career. James Harden has had a great career. He is one of the best shooting guards to do it. He's just not one of the three best, and I don't think a championship, especially a championship on this type of team, validates that. You're the third, fourth best player. Like, I don't really – you're not better than PG. You're not better than Kawhi. You got an argument who's better out of Harden and Westbrook, but at, at your third or fourth, bro, I don't really think being a third or fourth option validates you as a champion when you were once – a superstar and a guy that was supposed to lead your team and then failed multiple times. Like you're not Chris Bosch, bro. You're not 
Kevin Love. You're not that like you were on the light of the LeBrons and Kyrie Irvings exactly. and Kawhi Leonard. So you can't do it. And now you got to be third or fourth fiddle to win a championship. I don't think it validates it the same. I agree. Like, listen, I'll be real. Like Harden could win four or five in a row. I'm still not putting him over Flash. Under this know. circumstance, I can't. Now, had Harden won like three with Houston? Houston? Yeah. Like, then there's a conversation. Well, it would, it, the conversation would probably be over for the simple fact, like, he would have flat out led, like, Wade led the 016. Outside of that, he was the second best player where Harden would have really, like, hands down, no matter who he had on that team in Houston, if he would have won two. In Houston, like now you're really having a conversation because he was hands down the best player on the team. It wasn't a conversation. No matter who was on that roster, right? It was Harden's team, and he was gonna lead them to a championship. He was gonna be the guy, two championships, two finals MVPs. Like it, it was guaranteed if he ever won the championship, he was winning the finals MVP. There wasn't nobody taking that from him. So you would have had a different conversation. But now, like, he could win three in a row with the Clippers, and I'm not like, oh yeah, Harden legendary now. He did a three-peat. Like, yeah, bro, we're we'd give more credit to like now we're putting Kawhi on the pedestal of in the top 10 and, and all that. We're putting Paul George. Bro, Paul George would probably rank higher than James Harden if they won three in a row. Yeah. Like, he probably jumps James Harden as far as player rankings go all time. Possibly. But, and I'll be, but I'll be real, though. Even if the Clippers were to get one, like, just like when you think about the history of them, especially sharing the same building as the Lakers, like, even if they just get one, like, that's going to be, like, highly praised, like, like crazy. Oh, it's going to be treated like it's it, I don't want to see him win. I don't even want to go down that road. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't mm-mm, none of that. Nope. Nah, That's the hate that. inside of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> now it's all low. But now back back to the uh, back to the end season tournament real quick. Do you have like a team that you've been impressed with or do you have like a favorite matchup that you've seen throughout these uh, few weeks of the tournament? Um, I mean, we've seen some good games on Tuesdays and Fridays, bro. I'm telling you, um. I don't know, man. I, Sacramento's been impressive. Um, yeah. I think De'Aaron Fox missed like one of the in-season games, in-season tournament games, but they've been impressive. Um, OKC's been impressive. Really good. Bro, Minnesota. Dog. Like, there's a conversation to be had about Minnesota, and that's because, like, bro, we walk into the season. Anthony Edwards is the dude, you know, they need to trade Cat. He's in, you know, he's in Ant Man's way. Um, it's never gonna work. Or Rudy Gobert, get rid of him. But you know what? You you're not gonna get nothing for him. Um, so you're like trade Cat. He's got the most value. You could put a lot of pieces around. Bro, Minnesota's what first in the NBA? In the West, are, are, are they first in the NBA? Or they're first, first in the West, I know for sure. But they're, they're they they got to be top three in the NBA at this point. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, without question. Like they oh, got to be up there with Philly and Boston. And they're balling, bro. Like, like if Ant has a down night, he's still giving you 22-23. He's getting 24 to 28 points from Cat on his down night. Rudy Gobert is like, I, I know, bro, people hate Rudy Gobert. I get it. I, and I don't like him, but I respect his game. Like, nobody hated, nobody really hated Rudy Gobert until he got 2020, yeah. Until 2020 with COVID. It was like, okay, yeah, you ruined the NBA not knowing because he stopped the NBA before the world stopped. And then the world stopped and we're like, oh, hell, like maybe it wasn't his fault, but who cares? It's Rudy Gobert. We don't care. Right. But now, bro, like they, they really hated him when he got traded to Minnesota because of the package that came back. You kind of ruined the trade market at that point. Now we're right. like, bro, if that's what Rudy Gobert getting. 
any any visible like if you're a Heat fan and you're like we could go get Dame or Bradley Bill or Joel Embiid or whatever you're like if that was what Rudy Gobert's price was we can't we can't get a Dame or Bill or Embiid but like bro Rudy Gobert is like an overpaid role player but he's like as high class of a role player as it gets. No, I'll be real. He's he's he's, he's an elite defensive player. He no, does his job, bro. He gets rebounds. He gets the dirty baskets. Like, you know, he'll get the offensive boards and, and the putbacks. Um, he doesn't shoot the ball too much. Like, he knows his role, bro. Like, he's he's a defensive guy, and he gets the dirty buckets, bro. Like, to me, he's a better Clint Capella. Like, he's a more glorified Clint Capella. That's kind of what I think he is. I can see that. Because what we say – I don't, I don't say, know about better – in a way, yeah, he's but, better than Clint Capella, bro. Well, I mean, pro- probably, probably, probably defensively, but I feel like offensively, like I mean, look, I, Capella, I mean, I'll be real, the same thing. Both, of, I mean, and, and that's the thing because both of them are not floor spaces at all whatsoever. So they're you know, twelve and twelve, bro. They're twelve yeah. and twelve, and but, hey, Robert give you three blocks again. And that's the thing too, because I feel like Capella is probably a little bit more mobile on offense. Than what Rudy Gobert, that what Rudy Gobert can give you. But I mean, I, but I definitely agree with you. Like they are kind of like the same player. Yeah, I'm just, I would take Rudy Gobert over Clint Capella. I get that. Like, and I, I wouldn't like, but I'm just, bro, Minnesota has really, 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 really impressed me. Like, they're a lot better. Where they are now, I figure we start seeing, like, right before All-Star break. Like, that's where I thought, like, okay, we'll see Minnesota not be the best team in the West, but their potential of what they could reach this year would be, like, we'll see that in January, February. Not, like, now. So like, the, right so, now. So, okay, so let me ask you this. So could they be the Sacramento Kings of last year? Because Sacramento kind of shocked everybody last year. Like, I, I didn't see them being the third seed in the West last year. I think they could be a little bit better because I think they win a playoff series. Okay. Like, even if they're the third team in the West, like, I think they get out the first round. And I don't think there's a – I don't think they're phased of playing Golden State. I don't think they're phased of playing the Lakers. Um, I don't know if they beat the Lakers, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think they're at third. I and think they're going to at least six. Matchup. Yeah, like they'll take them to six, seven. They'll play, but I don't think they're looking at man. Like they won't run from the third seed to go four or five to get a more favorable matchup. Like they just don't seem built. Like at the end of the day, your best player ain't built like that. Your best player is Anthony Edwards, and he ain't built to run away from nothing. If he the third seed and you put the Lakers or the Clippers or OKC, whoever you put in front of him, he's gonna play and he's gonna play hard and he's gonna play to win that series. So like. When your best player has that mentality, I don't really think they too concerned. They, I mean, even still, like you look at what are they missing? Like what are they really missing? Like you always can have more. Because I mean, who's their starting point guard right now? Mike Conley. Conley. And that's what you need. Like because Anthony Edwards gonna get you the buckets. Cat gonna get you twenty two to twenty four a night. Rudy Gobert gonna give you. You know what I'm saying? Twelve to fourteen with twelve rebounds, three blocks. Like all your three best players are gonna give you what you need consistently. I mean, you know, everybody going to have down nights. It's 82 games in the season, bro. Like, Ant ain't scoring 30 every night. Cat right. ain't scoring 28 every night. Like, it's 82 games in the season. But, like, you have everything in place. Like, I think when you're talking about trying to be better as Minnesota, like, there's a elite role player that you're looking for. Like, maybe an OG, a Nobe, but then you got Jaden McDaniels. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's that. Like, he's what OG and how everybody values him for Toronto. He's kind of been that for Minnesota. Now he need to get healthy, like and remain healthy. But he's essentially been that. I'm not saying he's better than OG, but that's what he's been. That type of player that you're looking for for him, a three and D guy, play some defense. Like he could make all defensive team. He could be all defense, all second 
NBA on defense. And like you wouldn't you wouldn't even know it because nobody really talking about him. But like go check the numbers or go watch Minnesota. Especially I incline you if you haven't watched Minnesota on a Tuesday or Friday night. Do bro, go watch if you have not watched them in the end season tournament, then do it. Some of these teams that you want to be the OKCs, the Sacramentos, uh uh Minnesota, who, who else been uh, in, in Indiana. Indiana. Mm-hmm. Watch Indiana. them right now on Tuesday or Friday. They're primetime TV. I agree. So, okay, so let me ask you this about Minnesota. So this was this was kind of a scenario that I had even dating back last year. So what would a guy like Killian Hayes look like in Minnesota? Because not saying that Killian Hayes can't score, but he can he can he can become like more of a traditional point guard where all he has to do is just, you know, be able to set up set up his teammates. But then also you got Ant Man, you got Jaden McDaniels at the wing position, you got Cat, you know, you got a lot of valuable scores on the team. So I feel like with a guy of Killian Hayes and his passing ability, I feel like he could really comp- be a great compliment next to that team. What do you think of that? Killian Hayes is tough. Like he doesn't look bad in Detroit, but sometimes, bro, I don't trust guys that are playing losing basketball and have played it up to their point. Like, cause like Minnesota's trying to win. Like, I don't know. Like, obviously they're trying to win a championship. Like if you ask the thing, like, is that, is that more so him or is that more so like the situation that he's in? I think it's both because when you're in that situation, bro, you get used to playing losing basketball. So like you may not, you have a lot of bad, you develop a lot of bad habits. Like, you know who would be tough to play on a winning team right now? Kyle Kuzma. Like, because Kyle Kuzma has been able to do whatever he wants in Washington. There's no repercussions. He's not getting, you know, he's not getting cut. He's not getting benched. He's their best player. Like, so I know he knows how to play winning basketball because he was on that Lakers team, but then he's so far removed. It'd take him a little second to get accustomed to like being back in a winning culture, understanding what playing winning ball is. And that could mean sacrificing your numbers. And like with Killian Hayes, and if I was to go that route, bro, I'd rather go get like go get the guy that I think could be had off that same team. Like I'd call about Jaden Ivey. Like we're building something here with young talent, anyways. Like I know Killian Hayes is young too, but like we're building something, and there's a guy sitting there who we saw was pretty damn good last year with untapped potential. I'd rather like let let's rock with Jaden Ivey, Anthony Edwards, and Cat and Co for the next five years and see what that can make shake than Killian Hayes. Because I think Killian Hayes kind of is what he is to me, where what I saw from Jaden Ivey last year, like I feel like there's some untapped potential, but I also feel like he's unhappy in Detroit because like bro got moved to the bench. Like we haven't even, I ain't heard from yes. him. Like, and that's, and that's the crazy thing to me too. Like, I don't know what, I mean, cause I, I know, I know it's Monty Williams first year with that team and everything, you know, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a Monty Williams believer. You know, I've seen him, you know, be able to maximize a lot of young guys, but that that situation in, in Detroit right now with Jaden Ivey coming off the bench is kind of kind of like a question mark to me in a way. It's probably deeper than we know, but at the same time, like let's just be honest, like unless we develop the sources to figure it out, they're not going to talk about it on mainstream. You're not really going to hear much about what's going on because who's really covering Detroit? So unless you talk to the people that are in that building directly, whether it's the reporters or whatever you won't really know. And they haven't been vocal about it either. So I'm almost wondering, like, does anybody know what's going on with that situation? It was just like, we thought Jay Ivey and Kate would be something that they would build off of. And next thing you know, like Killian Hayes is in the starting lineup and Jay Ivey is just like non-existent after playing the way he played last year. Like he was solid last exactly. year. Exactly. So like, I thought they were going to build off arguably the best, the best player. Cause people forget Kate only played like the first month. And then he, had yeah, to and he was out for the year and Jay yeah. Ivey was, Hooping, like I know, you know, saying hooping on a bad team, I understand that. But like, just to be moved to the bench, Monty Williams don't owe us an explanation. 
he's a good enough head coach. I, I trust what he's doing. Um, but at the same time, like it's such a bad situation. Like I say, I trust what he's doing. They only got like two wins. <laughs> I know it's, it's insane. Like, I, I, I mean, it is crazy too. Cause I was, I, I want to say I was super high on them, but I was like, you know, this could be a year with everybody healthy. They can make some big improvements, but Detroit is Detroit, bro. I think it's just one of those Detroit is Detroit, bro. And it's going to be like that for quite some time. No, I definitely get that. But last question before we get, before we get off of this NC tournament things, like who do you believe will be holding the trophy at the end of this whole tournament? Philly. Philly. Okay. Uh, I, they just lost last, didn't they lose last night? Yeah, they, they lost last night, and that's fine. It was a nail biter. Um, I get it. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna be perfect, even though there, uh, there are like a couple teams that are perfect. But right. you're not going. You know, when it, when it, when you're trying to win a championship, like or whatever, when you're trying to win a tournament, you're not always gonna go perfect. But like, bro, I think there's there, there's a man on a mission in this league right now. And it's that man, Joel Embiid. Like, we could talk about... The thing is, we're praising Tyrese Maxey so much. Rightfully so. Embiid is cooking, too. That's the thing. Embiid is... Bro, people ain't even talking about... Bro, Embiid is scoring again. Again, he's looking to go... Right now, if you ask me who my MVP is right now, it's Joel Embiid. And now you're talking about on his resume, he could win this in-season tournament, back-to-back MVP, back-to-back scoring champ, don't let him get to cooking and be healthy in the playoffs. And he win this in-season tournament, scoring championship, MVP, and win the championship. I'm not saying Philly will because uh, it's hard to see him really. Be, but the way he's playing, bro, he's playing like a man on a mission. And you don't always see that from guys the year after their MVP. Like once they get the MVP, okay, everybody respect my game. And now I just do what I do. I'm a, alt- like, I'm a great player, so I'm going to be great. But he's playing like he's playing for something. And like I don't know what that for something is. But I'm assuming it's another MVP and a championship. And, like, you could start kicking that off by being the in-season tournament champion, the in-season tournament championship MVP, leading the league in scoring, one of the best teams in the NBA record-wise, got something to cook with. Like, bro, the, the James Harden trade is gone. Like, we don't care. It's done. It's over with. You got what you got for it. And now you're cooking. Like, now Tyrese Maxey stepped into that role. We don't even care about the Harden trade no more. Like, it doesn't matter for Philly. We're not even – when we talk about Harden and that trade, has nothing to do with Philly. They're fine. They're better off without him right now, which is crazy to say a guy like James Harden, the team is better off. But now we get to see, like, bro, this man Tyrese Maxey is is a dude, and we know how great Joel Embiid is. But now when he's putting his head down and giving you 30 on the night-to-night basis, like, his bad games is 25. Like, his bad games, he gives you 25. We're used to seeing Joel Embiid on a bad night, 14 – not a lot of effort, not running up and down the court. Now this man, man, this man playing both sides of the ball. It, he want to win. And, and whatever winning is for him is what it seemed like he's doing. And I think it starts with the end season tournament. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's Philly. Like, I, I want to say Philly. I don't want to go the casual route and just say, I think for some reason, LeBron ends up hoisting up this end season tournament trophy. But yeah, you I'm going to go Philly. Yeah, I was saying, no. you know what team I... I'm not, I'm not going to guarantee that they win, but I think it would be cool to see them, and I'm sure I might make a lot of fans happy. But the Knicks, like, I think I think that would be super dope to see them win it. I don't know if they'll no. raise it. You said no? No. You don't want the Knicks win it? I, I think it would be no. cool to see them win it. I don't want terrible fan bases to be winning nothing. <laughs> the Clippers, the Knicks, no. Because here's the thing. They ain't won nothing. 
So That's when they true. win that, they're going to feel all high and mighty. And guess what? Like somebody like me has to sit there and give them that dose of reality. Like, hey, you know, the real, you know, the real stuff in April, right? Something y'all don't know too much about, right? Like y'all do understand. Like it's cute, but y'all going to be brought back to reality in April, right? Like y'all got y'all hopes up. Y'all want a little in-season tournament where it's only, you know, a, you know, it changes when you got to play a team in a seven game series, right? Like, you know. You know, you gotta give. No, I don't want to see miserable. Like, I don't want to see these terrible fan bases. These the Clippers, the Knicks. Um, sorry, Knicks fans. I, I you know, got a few guys I love that are Knicks fans, but no, no, hell no, no. Mm-mm. I mean, I, I was just looking at them because I'll be real. I think, I think as far as what I've seen with the Knicks this year, it's definitely a lot better than what I've seen last year. And it's crazy. I mean, because they were the fourth seed or fourth or fifth seed last year, and. I'm looking at R.J. Barrett. I think that he's stepped up tremendously. I think he's playing really good basketball. Randall kind of started off slow, but I think over the maybe recent week or two, he started to kind of pick things up. So, I mean, I'm not a, I mean, I'm not like a Knicks hater or anything. Obviously, they're not my favorite team, but they definitely have shown some improvements like th- throughout the course of this young season that that I've I've been really really impressed with. I, I was just mentioning them because it's like you know, because I don't know, I, I don't I don't want to use like the casual answer like all oh, the Nuggets or the Lakers or whoever, like, you know, I, I really want to see like a team that may not have championship aspirations really utilize this moment to really, you know, go for something. You know what I mean? I want to see some, I want somebody to win it and then crash and burn. That's what I really want. Like if, if you, you know what, it'd be perfect. It would be perfect for the Clippers or the Knicks to win it. Cause they, they gonna think they got a chance. And then guess what? Reality. Like you said, that dose of reality in April, and if you if you're lucky enough to make it to May, you know two two friends like, y'all don't really know nothing about what May and June basketball exists. You know, you, you know so I, I guess so. But not nah, I, I I don't know, man. I'm becoming a like I'm I'm becoming a bigger fan of Joel Embiid by the year too. Like I really like I hate that he's in the East. You know what I'm saying? Because like at the end of the day, being a Heat fan, but bro, I really like Joel Embiid, bro. I really do. Like even though the realization of like. You know, he's not as great in the playoffs. He's bound to be injured. I hate that for him. But, like, bro, just watching him night night in, night out. Like, And I, I respect the fact that he's still in Philly right now. I do. Because, bro, he could have been gone this summer. Like, close to the season, he could have asked out. He could have caused a big spill that Dame did. And I'm not opposed to players moving. I'm not. But right. I like to see that Joel Embiid was just like, you know what, Harden or no Harden, I want to be here. And then playing like it. Like, he didn't just talk about it. He's playing like it. He's accepting that he is the superstar here. And him and Tyrese Maxey, they're going to go as far as them two could take him. And he's accepting the role, at least now, to be like, bro, the sky's the limit for Philly. Like, to think that just watching what you've seen this year, think they couldn't win a championship, it'd be crazy. Now, with the same thought as, like, the Clippers, well, you know, Joel Embiid probably going to sprain his MCL or something. I think he's done that the past two years. Played with a hurt knee and then, you know, uh, Got elbowed in his jaw last year against Miami or two years ago right. against Miami. So, you know, he's wearing the mask and really wasn't all the way healthy. So I could see that. But if you're just like, bro, everybody, the way they look right now, healthy and ready to go, if we were to start the playoffs, like Philly would have a chance to win the championship. What's good, everyone? This is the one and only Nick Andre. I'm glad to let you guys know that I have a new series coming out titled Underrated Duos on my Patreon. It's a series where I take deep dives into former duels in NBA history and discuss their impact as a collective. The series begins November 27th, and you guys will get a new article every Monday and Wednesday for the next four weeks. So make sure to subscribe to my Patreon channel. I most definitely will leave the link in the bio. For now, let's get back to the episode. Speaking of a team that knows about playing in June, 
let's talk about your team, which is the Eastern Conference champs, which is the Miami Heat, which is the Miami Heat who are sitting at nine and five. So my like before we really dive into the Heat, I want to ask you this because Saturday was kind of an embarrassing moment. You know, the Heat were the Heat were facing the Bulls. They were up twenty two to one. Like I never said. Like I'll be real. I saw I saw that screenshot on um, on X or Twitter, wherever you want to call it, and I I didn't I didn't believe it was true. So I was like, all right, cool. Because I'll be real. I mean, Chicago. I mean, if anybody who's been listening to me, I'm I'm not high on Chicago at all. They're done. I've been ready for them to blow it up, but they found a way to come back from that and win. So what like what were your thoughts on that night? Because obviously Miami did bounce back two nights later, but what, like what were your thoughts on that particular night? Typical Miami in November. <laughs> that that like. I wasn't surprised. I hate it, um, but especially because we were on a seven-game win streak. Like so, to ruin it like that, like that's the way you ruin it. You start out now being up twenty-two to one to me means nothing. First quarter, you know what I'm saying? Right. Teams start out super hot. Steam teams start out super cold. Like we see certain teams get hot in the third quarter. They get hot when the Jimmy Butlers and Bams go on the bench and they keep that one starter in. They can get a bucket and kickstart the offense. But when I seen what bothered me is everybody else seen the 22 to one. I was watching when we were up 14 with like five minutes to go. Like I watched us really blow the lead, like 22 to one and losing. That ain't the first time we've seen it. That ain't going to be the last time we've seen teams start out hot and then it get close. Cause next thing you know, it's 24 to 14. Like it was 22 to one. And then it was 22, 24 to 14. If you would have seen that screenshot and look five minutes later, you're like, Oh, it's not even as bad. Now they're only down 10 first quarter, nothing crazy. Bro, we were up like 14 or 15 with like five minutes left. So I'm I'm still watching just because like no lead is safe. You wait till about the two-minute mark, and then if you're still up 15, you're like, we're good. Bro, and they just – Miami goes cold, and Jimmy Butler plays laid-back nonchalant. He doesn't play like he's trying to win the game. He doesn't take it over. Like what you see in the playoffs in those instances when the team start marching back and Jimmy Butler like, yeah, let me get right. He doesn't always do that. Um I didn't really care, though. Like, I mean, it sucks, but, like, my thing is, bro, being a basketball fan, like, being a fan of any team in the NBA, bro, if you hang your hat on every game, if you hang your hat on 82 games, wins and losses, yeah. you will run yourself rugged. Like, nobody's going 82 and up. Nobody. Nah. So, when a 10-game win streak ends, it's not the end of the world. But when you hang your hat off wins and losses, being an NBA fan, I think you're a different type of crazy. Like, you just accept the loss. It is what it is. It sucks. But then we bounced back, like you said, was able to beat the Bulls a couple days later. So, I mean, hey, whatever. We're still, what, 8-1, and 9-1 in the past 10 games? Like, in the past 10 games, we're like 8-2 and two or 9-1. and one. So, I mean, we're still one of the hotter teams in the NBA. We're still one of the hotter teams in the Eastern Conference. If we didn't start out 1-4, and four, you know what I'm saying, we'd probably have one of the best records in the NBA. As the past 10 games, we got one of the best records in the NBA. So, I mean, I'm not – I don't know. I'm not worried because it's funny. We started out one and four. There by ah, I told you the heat are cooked. Da da da. We go on a you know, we go on a crazy win streak after losing Tyler Hero. Win seven, drop one to the Bulls, win again, win again. Probably a win Friday. Hopefully, I hope we beat the Knicks. I just I can't. Because they <laughs> hold their hat. I don't care if we lose on Friday, but they hold their hat on regular season wins, and I don't. But just for the simple fact, I'm gonna have to hear it about losing. Right. Like, I hope we win. Other than that, I really don't care. Like I'd like to win every game but i don't hang my hat on you know 82 games of wins and losses for the heat like you just okay on to the next one you lose on a saturday hell you play sunday or monday anyway so who really give as a fan you ain't got no time like all right we we playing back to back bro we lost last night screw it i get to watch them again tonight like 
let's get the win tonight. Let's not turn this into a major loser streak. Should Bam and Abayo be on everyone's radar as an early MVP favorite? Because no, been, you don't think so? Really? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm, su- I'm surprised by that because he's been cooking like early this year. Defensive player of the year. He's here's the thing, bro. Like when you're a fan of a team and you're a fan of players, like Bam's name is not, he's not winning an MVP. Like he's not his, it, it, if Jimmy Butler was playing at this level, sure. But even though Bam is playing like MVP style basketball, imagine Bam hoisting the MVP trophy for the NBA. Like it doesn't even fit their narrative. He's not a fan favorite like that. Like he's not like even Jimmy Butler winning the he's MVP. Not like the Jokic's or. The- Bro, even when Jokic, like, like Jokic, the first year he won it, it was kind of like, ugh. Like Jokic, but then like he keeps playing the way he's playing, wins another one. You're like, you can't deny his greatness. Right. Bam, I don't think is on that level where like, okay, he wins an MVP and then like he keeps playing the way he's playing, and now you can't deny his greatness. Now I think the man's a very, very good player. He's an all-star guy. He's going to the all-star game. He keeps this up easily. Um, he won't be a starter because he's in the same conference as Joel and B, who to me is the best center in the league. Um but nah, I wouldn't MVP. Nah, bro. I just understand what Bam is. And I understand what Bam is to the NBA. I understand what the Heat brand is. And like they would have a hard time giving Jimmy Butler MVP. But if he was playing at MVP level, like a hey, former Easter Conference champs, they've been to two finals in the past four years. They played in three of the past four Easter Conference finals. Like somebody on Miami has earned the right to represent them in an MVP level. But I think it'd be it'd have to be Jimmy Butler, not Bam. I but he's hooping now. Like he's playing MVP level basketball, but you can put Bam as defensive player of the year. And nobody will argue with you. That's Even true. though he's playing the way he is offensively, like you give him all the credit that he's playing that way offensively while also anchoring the defense. And he wins defensive player of the year. Nobody bats an eye. Yep. Sounds right about right. Right up the Heat's alley. They got a defensive player of the year. Bam out of bio's hooping. They got two all stars. They both made the all star game. Like that's the way it goes. I just, bro, it, it, it would take a lot. Like it take a few injuries, like season ending injuries and stuff for Bam to really reach the top of that MVP ladder to be like, like I don't even think he's a top five favorite. Like I don't even know if he's in the top ten. To be honest, I ain't seen the I NBA think he's top be at least top ten. Because I mean, like top, I think early top five. I like Jason Tatum. Obviously, Joe is going to be there. Joel Embiid. Um, Giannis, Giannis has played well. Giannis, Giannis is going to be there up. by default. Like, he's going to exactly. sit there by default anyway. And then, I don't know. I mean, you could probably go Luka. LeBron. Yeah, LeBron too. Luka, LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. KD. Like, KD now you're getting too. into the Luka, LeBron, KD. Um, shoot, before they lose in streak, Steph. Like, I know it's early in the season, but Steph was cooking when they were 5-1. and one. Um I mean, you might, bro. You might, bro, you might put Ant. You might put the Aaron Fox over him. Yeah, like, nice. there's some SGA. Like, there's some names that stand out. That when I say those names, they got more pizzazz than Bam. Like, SGA winning MVP, nobody cares. Nobody bats an eye and is like, oh no, no, no. But Bam, it would be like, Bam, really? Bam won MVP. Well, that's like, the thing. Like, would you would you blame that on like the style of basketball Miami plays because they're not really the flashy type of team that a lot of other teams are. In a way, they're not exciting. They're yeah. they're not the if you're a Heat fan, you watch it, but they're not the most exciting team to watch. So yeah, like Bam will give you 25, 12, 5 assists, three blocks, but it's a quiet 25, 
quiet 12 rebounds. It just looked like a regular night for Bam. And then you look up, you'd be like, oh, man, he had, you know, when he had like that 28-point triple-double. He had like 28, 19, and 10. And you're like, bro, let Jokic, you know it's crazy? He didn't get talked about. Let Jokic 28, 19, and 10 wake up and get a crazy because like, like the biggest thing that night I want to say was, I think then I think Anthony Davis got hurt in that game. And that's what they were talking about. Yeah, like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, like, that already tells you, like, when he put up those kind of numbers and don't get real love from, like, the mainstream media for doing that. And I know AD went out. Maybe he doesn't do that. But he was cooking prior to AD getting hurt anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, he had a bad first half and then was cooking in the second half. Um, but, yeah, bro, they just don't – they don't play a brand of basketball to pitch as, like, winning individual awards. Like, you can win defensive player of the year playing for Miami. You can't. But that, that's right on brand for what you think of when you think of the Heat. But MVP, nah, nah. He's playing great basketball, don't get me wrong. Like, I respect anybody who say he's uh, he's playing MVP caliber ball, but just understanding what the Heat brand and Heat culture and what they are to the league, it's always good when they're good. But as far as the individual accolades, like, Jaime Jaquez is hooping. But you got, I mean, he ain't hooping better than Wimby or Chet, don't get me wrong. But right. like if, if Wimby had got hurt and if Wimby and Chet had got hurt, you still, it, I mean, you still wouldn't be pitching like Jaime Jaquez if he, he continues to play the way he plays would be rookie of the year. Like it just, it doesn't nice. sell. Yeah, it just doesn't sell the way it should. No, I, I definitely get that. So let me ask you this now. So you guys, unfortunately, y'all missed out on Damian Lillard. And Bradley Bill. I know that you were very upset whenever that Brad Bill story came out. But there's another two guard that's on the table now, which is from Chicago, Zach Levine. Could that like could you possibly maybe I'll, I'll be real, I don't I don't see it happening, but could you possibly see Levine possibly getting dealt with Miami if there's a possibility? Because I know I know that you know the front office they're really high on Hero and obviously Hero will have to be a part of that deal, but could you possibly see that happening? Does Hero be a part of that deal? Like, I don't think Hero's a part of that deal. You don't think so? Nah. I, I don't think because, like, if Hero wasn't on the table for Dame, if Hero wasn't on the table for Bradley Bill, no way. Well, okay, you know, like, I, feel, I feel like Chicago is definitely going to ask for him. You, I, I mean, hey, you can ask for Bam if you want to. Like, right. you can ask, but then we're going to get serious about negotiations and understand, like, bro, you're trying to get up off the – y'all are about to rebuild. You're just trying to get up off the Zach Levine contract. You're more, bro, Chicago is kind of screwed because, okay, DeMar is going to be easy to trade. If you want to trade DeMar, he's easy to trade because he's on an expiring contract. There are a bunch of teams, the Heat included, that would take DeMar DeRozan. Heat, the Lakers, Philly. There's a bunch of teams that would take DeMar DeRozan. Zach Levine, you're going to have to give a team more incentive to get Zach Levine than you will the other way around. So, like, the Heat are going to be like, look, bro, we basically taking this contract. We're taking a chance taking this contract up off of you. I think Zach Levine will be the answer. And right now, bro, he's kind of pouting his way. It seems like out of Chicago, it, it kind of seemed that way. Even when they beat the heat, bro, he walks off. Don't want to talk yeah. to anybody. Like, bro, y'all just won. Like acting like that after y'all won is kind of crazy to me. But Hey, I think he's kind of pouting his way out of here. Um, and I think he will fit perfectly on heat, especially understanding, bro. I don't think we'd have to give up that much. Like no teams. They've already said, like I, I seen earlier today, they kind of reported that, the trade market is not high for him. So, like, I think he'd benefit a lot of teams that he'd go to because you're not going to have to give up that much. Like, if I'm the Knicks, I consider it. If I'm the Kings, I consider it. Uh, I wouldn't say da- – I would have said Dallas prior to getting Kyrie Irving, but now I think that's out the window. If I'm the Heat, I consider it. If I'm Philly, I think about it. Like, 
for the simple fact, like it's not going to cost me that much. Like it's going to cost me some on the books. I'm taking on that contract. But if I really think that this package could be the difference in acquiring Zach Levine and us being a better team, I think about it. And there's a few teams that I think could very well contemplate taking Zach Levine. I think the Heat are one of them, but the Lakers, the, uh, yeah, the Kings, the Knicks, because it sounds crazy, man. I'm not giving up a whole bunch. You're not, you're not going to have to, you're not getting in a bidding war. I said this in the, you know, our group chat the other day. You're not getting in a bidding war for Zach Levine. Everybody finna lay their offer. Whoever wants him gonna lay an offer on the table. And then they're just gonna let Chicago pick the best offer or they keep Zach Levine. Then your only two options. People not finna up the offer and wonder what the Knicks offered and wonder what the Heat. Knicks ain't gonna wonder what Miami offered if they put one on the table. Vice versa. All the teams are just gonna call Chicago. This is what I got for you. I call you. Call us back if that's what you wanna do. And they're just going to look at all the offers. Nobody's going to know who put what. I mean, they talk. They'll kind of know. But nobody's going to be looking to outbid anybody. They're just going to later offers. There's going to be five offers there. Where do you want to send them? And are you thinking about doing right by him? Does his list of teams matter to you? Or are you just getting the best offer possible? Then next thing you know, Zach Levine ends up in somewhere like Washington or something. Like, so, so, let's, so let's take Hero out of the equation. And let's say, for instance, Pat Riley does want to make an offer to get Zach Levine. Like, what do you see that looking like? Do you see that possibly being picks or whatever? Picks like, for sure. Like? like, you you got to offer some picks for a rebuilding team. Um, Even though, like, the picks aren't as valued because it's probably not going to be lottery. I mean, yeah, I think it's safe to true. assume the Heat are past being a lottery team, at least right now. Um, But probably, like, Jovich, some picks. And... I don't know, like maybe a Kyle Lowry or something, like a expiring contract. I don't know, like an RJ Hampton or something. I don't know. Yeah, I probably would say, I probably would say, like, yeah, RJ Hampton or like, like expiring contracts, like, like Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Uh, three, four weeks ago, I probably, you know, beginning of the season, I probably would have told you Duncan Robinson. Now, I don't think Duncan Robinson is on the table. I think he's been playing really good ball. Yeah. Well, he's kind of off the table, at least for this year, unless there's an offer, unless there's a player available. Um, I think because his contract's expiring this year too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he could be like real valuable to a team that's looking to get rid of, I don't know, let's say you're Portland looking to trade Jeremy Grant or something like that, like a guy like that. Maybe that's when you consider Duncan Robinson. Um, but the way he's been playing ball, so it's, it's kind of tough to say what a package would look like because they're saying there's no real market for Zach Levine. So that that's telling you, bro, everybody's like, bro, I'm not really giving you much. Like, we're taking, we'll give you a couple picks that we don't care about, but we're taking on this contract that you're trying to clearly get rid of. You're trying to get rid of this extension. And so it's more damage for a team to take it on if he doesn't perform. So, I mean, probably Jovich, some picks, maybe like Kyle Lowry and I don't know, maybe a Haywood Highsmith or something. Like, it, it, and I'm not saying that gets us Zach Levine. I'm right. just saying I don't see us doing much more than that. I think Jaime Jaquez has kind of played his way out of being traded for a Zach Levine for the simple fact, like, bro, he's playing good basketball. He immediately fits with the heat, which I said that on draft night before we drafted him. I said, that's who I want. I say he will fit perfectly. He's a heat culture type of guy and you'll trade him for a bigger fish that you're not taking so much of a risk on. But like when you have Jaime playing that way, like I'm not giving him up and strapping myself in the salary cap to give him up for Zach Levine. Cause the way Jaime is playing how much of an upgrade in that system is Zach Levine over Hami? Like Zach Levine's better, but how much is it, is he of an upgrade in that system? 
not much. Jaime's only going to get better by the end of the year. I didn't think he'd already be in the rotation. I said come second half of the season and playoffs, he'll be like, we'll see him start playing ball. We'll get him his – he'll shine when he needs to. Like, he'll shine in his moments and early on being a rookie. I didn't think he'd automatically – I mean, injuries put him there, but he's played – like, he's played his keep, though. Because he could easily suck, and we'd be like, as soon as Tyler Hero comes back, you're right back on the bench. You're never going to play. But now, like, he's found himself – he's going to be in the rotation regardless. I definitely agree. Like, the thing about it with when it comes to any, like, Levine trade, it's like I can definitely agree with you when you talk about, you know, they're not really going to get a lot. Just, But also, at the end of the day, Chicago – like, in my opinion, Chicago should just go in straight full rebuild mode. Like, I don't, I don't possibly see them getting another all-star. I don't see them, you know – possibly getting anybody of like a high caliber player. I just think that, you know, they need to rebuild, find a way to find a way to get rid of Levine, get rid of DeRozan. I don't know what the situation for Lonzo Ball may look like um, in the near future, but I think it's just about time to rebuild. But I was, I was only suggesting Miami just because I feel like that could be a good situation for him, but I know how, you know, Pat Riley and the rest of the crew, like they were so hesitant to really get guys like Damon Bradley Bill. And I know that, Zach Levine has like a lesser value than those two, but I was like, hey, you know, why not? But I think because his value being less, they'll be more tempted to go get him. Right. It'll make more sense now than giving up everything for a 34-year-old Dane, giving up everything for injury-prone Bradley Bill. Like, just think about if we would have traded for Bradley Bill and he's sitting up to this point, like, even though the, the trade package that Phoenix gave up was nothing, like, I know really wasn't. That's that, but just imagine had we got him and how you would have thought of the Heat going into the season. And then now you're like, bro, Bradley Bill ain't played but what, one game, two games all season long so far. And I know it's early into the season, but like, bro, we're a month in and you've played like two games. Like, I don't think he's played any, has he? Yeah, he played because he played, he played against the Rockets and he played against the Lakers and then he was back out again. Like, he played that. Oh, one yeah, game that's right. Friday. That's true. Yeah, that's right. And then he, that. that was his debut, but Devin Booker was out. So, that's like, true. we haven't seen the big three play together yet. And it seemed like we're, two to three to four weeks away. Like we might not see them play till close to Christmas, which is crazy. Like Bradley Bill is like, so it would be a bad look, especially had we gave up Tyler hero to get him. And I mean, I know Tyler heroes hurt. So I guess it's cancels each other out. But at the same time, like Tyler hero was playing good basketball when, before he got hurt. No, I get that. So last question with Miami before we get out of here. So obviously you can't count them out. You know, I think last year was kind of the indication to finish with like a 40.38 record, I believe. Eight seed made their way to the to the uh, to the NBA finals. So should Miami always be I mean, especially like with this with this Miami Heat team with Jimmy Butler, Bam and Abayo, Tyler Hero, should they always be on everyone's radar to be a favorite to win the Eastern Conference as they as they have been the past or twice in the last four years? Favorite, no, because they never walk into the season. Like, the year they made it to the final in the bubble, nobody thought they'd make it to the finals. I agree. And they go and get eliminated the next year, and everybody's like, ha, see, it was fluke, da-da-da. Because the Lakers and the Heat got eliminated in the first round that year. So that was their validation of fluke. And then they go to the Easter Conference Finals the next year, go to seven games, a Jimmy Butler jump shot away from making the finals. Then they go to the finals again. Never were they favored. Never were they talked about. It was always Boston and Milwaukee and Philly before you even – then you started talking about, like, the Knicks, the Heat, the Cavs, like the outside chances that probably don't have a chance. So I don't think they'll ever be looked at as favorites. But when somebody like me says you can't count them out, 
you have to like I feel like you have to, if you don't respect it, you're hating. Like they've been to three of the past four Eastern Conference finals. They've won two of them. They've been to two of the past four NBA finals. Granted, they lost to six and lost to five. They were overmatched. Once the Lakers made it, we knew it was LeBron's championship to lose. And then last year, we knew it was a bad matchup against Denver. So, like, but they they didn't beat. Like, bro, think about who they beat to go to the finals in the bubble. Milwaukee, Boston. Think about who they beat to go to the Easter Conference finals two years ago. They beat Philly. Think about who they beat last year. They beat Milwaukee. They beat the Knicks. They beat Boston. They beat everybody that you take ahead of them in order to get to where they're trying to go. They've done everything but won a championship. In the past four years, they've won more playoff games than anybody. They've literally done everything you can do except win a championship. So I think to not really highly consider the Heat as like, yeah, I like maybe you like Milwaukee more. Maybe you like Boston because I get it. Jimmy isn't Giannis. Jimmy isn't Tatum. I get that. But when it comes down to it, the Heat have at least proven that they should be serious contenders and then they go and start one and four and it's like ah and then they're back on like third in the easter conference like at the very least they sh- you should be sitting there thinking the heat are easter conference contenders favorites probably not if you put them third behind you know milwaukee and boston cool right now if you put them fourth i'm okay with that if you think it is milwaukee boston philly then miami that's fine but it's the fact that after you get to those three, you start reaching for everybody else and telling me all the reasons why they're going to be better than Miami and year in and year out. None of those teams have had the success Miami has. They they haven't. None of them have reached the finals. Oh, the only two teams that have reached the finals not been Miami is Boston and Milwaukee. Milwaukee won, Boston lost. Like mm-hmm. other than that, in the past four years, it's been Miami, Milwaukee, or Boston. They've all had to go through each other in order to get there. And sure. Miami's been on top more than they have. They, they just didn't win the championship. If Miami won last year or they won in the bubble, like you're looking at Miami completely different because that's literally, like, I mean, outside the only thing better than getting to the finals is winning the finals. Exactly. They've done everything else. They've been their conference champions twice. They've been to the conference championship three times. Like, I don't know what else Miami has to do to at least be respected, to understand, like, bro, they really have a realistic chance because for some reason there's just a, a switch that they're able to flip in the playoffs. And because of the style of play of basketball, that boring, gritty, grinding it out, winning close games, playing defense, everything's not clicking offensively, but it doesn't have to for a team like Miami in order to win games, that favors them in the playoffs. And everybody else hates it because it's like, well, Miami and Denver, we can't sell that. That's fine. Then beat them. Like, if you don't want to sell me Miami and Denver being a great NBA Finals, which was, to me, the best basketball you could get, beat them. Boston should have beat them. If you would rather, I would have rather seen Boston. They should have beat them. I would have rather seen Milwaukee. They should have beat them. They got to line up in front of them and have an opportunity to be that team that you'd rather see, and they didn't beat them. So I just kind of hate the way the Heat get disrespected because it's like, bro, their resume for the past four years is better than anybody else except the champions. Only teams that have been better than them are champions. That's it. So let me ask you this, and this will be the last question before we get out of here. So from a fan's perspective, from somebody who watches the team on a night-to-night basis, what do you think it takes for the Miami Heat to possibly win a championship? Because I've, I've had the same conversation with other Heat fans, and one thing that I'll say is that it's cool for Miami to get to the finals, but I feel like afterwards I just feel like they don't do enough in the offseason to really – elevate the roster as a whole because I'm looking at like you look at Milwaukee they got Dame they got better Boston has got better they got Drew Holiday so a lot of their competition has continued to get better through the offseason whether it's trading whether it's whether it's through, draft, through drafting or free agency or whatever it is 
to elevate their chances at a title. So from your lens, what do you think it takes for Miami to possibly get over that hump and possibly win a, win a championship? I know this is going to sound crazy. It's going to sound cocky. Who are they getting better to beat? Who are they getting Not better point. to beat? Like, I mean, they're getting better to beat Miami, which sounds crazy because roster-wise, they don't have the best roster top to bottom compared to – I mean, I like our roster a little bit over Milwaukee. I know they got Dame and Giannis, but, I mean, outside of that, you got a lot of aging guys. Chris Middleton kind of cooked defensively, so he don't bring the same impact. Like, I'm just saying, I mean, Chris Middleton two years ago prior to these injuries was like, hey, Dame, Chris Middleton, and Giannis, boy, that's dangerous. Now, Chris Middleton ain't giving you the same impact, which is fine. Like, he's getting older. Injuries catch up to him. It happens. It's not a knock on Chris Middleton. He's been a baller. But they're getting better because they're losing to Miami. Like, Boston's sitting here and like, damn, we had a better roster. We got the better duo. We got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and company. We got a better roster, and we're losing. We got to get better. So what do they do? They go get Chris Stapps, and they go get Drew Holiday. Milwaukee's like, dang, we got cooked. And I know Giannis had got hurt, but like, I don't want to hear that because he turned back around. He, he turned back he around. Games four and five. Can't say and, that. He, and he got a 30 point triple double. It ain't like Giannis came back limping all, up and down the court. He had a 30 point triple double in a loss. Like, so they got rid of Drew Holiday because they're like, damn, Jimmy lit us up for 50 and there was nothing. We didn't have nobody that could come back bucket for bucket with him. So let's go get Dane. Now you lost a lot defensively. You could tell because. Guys are having career nights. Uh, guards are having career nights against Milwaukee offensively on the opposing team. So I'm not saying they made the wrong move because I wanted Dane. The Heat wanted Dane for right. sure. But when we don't go get him, it is frustrating because as a Heat fan, you sit there the whole summer and you're like, dog, we had this guy in our hands. We had him. We had him. We had him. We had this guy in the building for a free agency visit. How come we let him leave? And we've done this every year, but then we've been winning. Like, we haven't won. We've done I, I keep reiterating, we've done everything but won a championship, but we've been winning. And it's like, okay, so you do want to see them get over the hump. But what teams are asking for, for you to get over the hump, we're not really willing to pay. But, like, we're making conference finals and making finals while not willing to pay it. So, like, we kill Pat Riley. And I, I get frustrated with it at times, too. Don't get me wrong. But then you see the product on the court. And you go from one and four to being the third team in the Easter Conference. You go to, okay, this is the Miami Heat. This is what they do. So my thing is, bro, it's just you got to trust Pat Riley and maybe like not making a move will never get us a championship. But there's no guarantee those moves make us champions either. So now when you're rocking with this roster, you see the chemistry. You see you could plug and play undrafted guys in here. You maximize everybody's potential. And at the end of the day, like you ride with your culture and it's gotten you pretty far. It just it doesn't get you a championship, but I don't think Dane guarantees that. I don't think Bradley Bill, like none of those guys guaranteed it. It increases our chances for sure. But I mean, these teams are losing to Miami and then stacking up. Like, you know what? We got to stack up. There's no reason we they're embarrassed to lose to Miami because they're the better teams. Yes. They finish with better records. Everybody feels like they're better. They're favored at walking into the series. And then they're getting their their they getting their ass whooped by Miami. And they're like, damn. We got to go get Drew Holiday and Chris Stapps. Damn, let's go get Dame. Let's go swipe Dame from Miami since Miami and Dame and kind of ruined the situation of going to Miami. Let's go swipe him so Miami can't have him. Everybody making all these moves and it's like, but y'all still, y'all are doing this to beat us. As crazy as it sounds, because that's not your plan coming into the season, you don't think Miami's going to be the team to beat, but they've been the team to beat. You've had to beat Miami in order to get where you want to go. Milwaukee had to beat them in the first round to win a championship after they got knocked out by, by them in the bubble. Boston had to beat them in the Easter Conference Finals in order to lose in the finals to the Warriors. Boston had to try and beat 
Milwaukee had to try and beat them last year and lost in five. Boston had to try and beat them in the Easter Conference Finals, down 3-0, win three in a row, and lose in Game 7 in order to try and compete for a Finals again. You're coming through Miami. You having to play the Miami Heat to win the championship in the Easter Conference. Whether it's the first round, second round, third round, all these teams are like, you have to beat Miami in order to get there. Philly tried to get their Conference Finals two years ago. Couldn't do it. The Knicks won a playoff series thinking, hey, we got a favorable matchup. We could beat Miami. You got to beat Miami in order to get to the Easter Conference Finals. Couldn't do it. Like, nobody's able to do it, and then they stack up because they're kind of embarrassed to lose their team that just doesn't stack up roster-wise. I mean, valid points. <laughs> like, it's like it just it sounds cocky, but it's like you've had to go th- for the past four years. You have had to beat Miami in order to win a championship or compete for a championship in the Easter Conference. No, but we've made the playoffs every year, and every team that's went to the finals was either the Heat or you had to beat the Heat. You did not duck the Heat in order to get there, and you or you lost to the Heat and didn't get there. Then, since Jimmy's been there, that's what it's been. You have to beat Miami to get there. You will not go if you don't beat Miami because nobody else. There hasn't been a path where nobody hasn't had to play Miami in order to get to the finals. So you got to beat Miami to get there. And so if you feel like you can't go through them, you're, you're going to get better because. If the, the object is to beat a team that might finish sixth seed, but that's the team that we got to beat in order to get to the finals, they are going to try and improve because it's kind of embarrassing to say, hey, we got to go through the sixth seed in order to win it. But that's the reality of what it's been for the Miami Heat. Always the underdogs. Always the underdogs. And I mean, it's, it's crazy to see, you know, what kind of journey that they've been on. You know, it's, I mean, you, you basically, you know, you basically explained it all. You know, they got, got to the finals in the bubble. They had a little setback, you know, in between those years where they lost in the first round. They lost in the conference finals to Boston. They ended up getting back there. So, you know, you can make an argument that, you know, I mean, like you said, I mean, all the other, like the the Boston, the Milwaukee of the world, they are more talented. But, you know, Miami's still the team to get past in the East. So, I mean, and then, of course, obviously with them being. They're not better coached. That's the crazy thing. That's what separates yeah. Miami from everybody. True. They're better coached. And you just, like, with. And I, I, and honestly, I mean that, that's honestly a good that, that's honestly a valid argument as well because even throughout the years, like you just saw Milwaukee get there, get a new coach. You saw Boston; they had Eme for a year, then had to come back. He screwed it up. He would be the head coach there still. Yeah, that's like, true. Boston that's situation. True. I don't think like Eme ended up losing. We know why he lost his job. You know what I'm saying? So like, right. I don't think for that situation, that's a little different. But like Milwaukee lose to the heat and like, yeah, bro, you got to go. Like you won the championship, right. the dog. It's, because it's bro, essentially it's unacceptable to lose to a less talented team in the playoffs. When you have a true superstar in Giannis or you got a true budding superstar, future superstar, or he's here now, I think in Jason Tatum and like everybody's trying to take Jimmy Butler serious as a superstar, but like he's not until April, like come April, Jimmy Butler's a superstar. Come April, Jimmy Butler's a top five player in the league. He's not that until then. But when you got a guy who's been top five, borderline top five, arguably best player in the league with Embiid, they lost. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Giannis has lost. Like, everybody's lost at the helms of the Heat, and they're, like, they're trying to figure it out. But, like, what you're not figuring out is, like, you can stack the deck all you want. At the end of the day, you're getting out-coached. Like, you're getting out-played, and you're getting out-coached. It's effort. You're just getting out-played, and you're getting out-coached. You're getting schemed out of your game. We're taking you out of your game. And so that, that, to me, is the thing with Miami that people – and people give Coach Spo. I mean, bro, he's arguably the best coach in the league right now. Um, people give him his love. Everybody gives him his flowers. You know what I'm saying? Um, but at the same time, like, I still don't think he gets enough credit for the simple fact 
Yeah, he's not won a championship. You could say he's fallen short and reached his peak, but bro, if we're gonna play in the conference finals and borderline be going game seven of conference finals and go to the NBA finals and lose, I'm okay with that than trying to reset, figure out what we need and be in first round knockouts. I, I'm okay with where we're at and constantly being the underdog and y'all gonna have to beat us in order to get to the promised land. I'm rather that than having to reset and be a first round knockout for the next three to four years until you find your superstar again. I don't want to go through that. We went through that. When LeBron left and then Wade and Bosch left, we went through that for a couple of years until we got Jimmy Butler. And then we're back on top. Like, so I don't want to go through that. And we will eventually if we don't replace Jimmy or find some answers. But you go through that when your star player's time is done, whether he leaves the team or whether he retires or whatever it is. That's when you go through it. Don't try and make too many moves that aren't going to shake the floor one way or the other. If you're still going to be the underdog, then just play that underdog role and let everybody know y'all got to come through us to win anything. That's a fact for sure. But my guy, Mo, I appreciate you for coming on, man. You know, we went a little bit over an hour, but it's all good, man. But now definitely let the people know where to find you, man, where to find the podcast and everything that you got going on. Yeah, you can check me out at Upper Flames Pod on um, Twitter. Well, not Upper Flames. You can check me out, Upper Flames Pod, wherever you get your podcast. You can follow me at Mo underscore Cheese 15 on Twitter. Um, now that I got a steady work schedule, I'm kicking Upper Flames back. Um, just kind of been chilling. Uh, also follow Phil Stormers. Me and Walker going to try and do something before Saturday because this is a huge Saturday. Um, and then, yeah, probably follow me before Saturday morning because come uh, 12 o'clock Eastern on Saturday, I'm going to be a wreck for three to three and a half hours. Um, I either could be tweeting my life away or I could just be locked in a cage and everybody going to be wondering, am I okay? But yeah, so if you want some entertainment, I would follow me by 12 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Yes, sir. Make sure to follow him, man. Make sure to follow the show. I love the TGB ball on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Make sure to subscribe on everywhere you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, you name it. Make sure to give us five-star reviews. I think that I am deserving of that. Also, follow myself at Nick Andre ATR, you know, for all basketball content. I appreciate all the listeners, and until next time, deuces. Peace.